Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, as we get started today, let me ask you, what do you think of when you hear the word pioneer? Pioneer. Maybe you think about people, you know, in the Old West or settlers in the Midwest. Maybe you think about the first astronauts who were doing things that had never been done before, even thought of before. Maybe you think of scientists or inventors who, who paved new ways for, for new technology or new medicine or any number of things. The word pioneer. Pioneer basically is simply someone who is doing something or trying something that's never been done before. They're blazing a trail. They're sort of the guinea pig, if you will, in any number of areas. Well, this week we're starting a brand new series that is called 12. And this series is, in a way, about a group of pioneers, This series is about the original 12 disciples, the original followers of Jesus. They were pioneers. No one else had done what they had done before they did it. And we, luckily, have a couple thousand years of their history and church history to maybe have a better grasp of faith or what it means to follow Jesus. And so in this series, we're going to look at these 12 men and how sometimes they got it right Sometimes they got it wrong, sometimes they figured it out, sometimes they didn't, and so we are going to be the beneficiaries uh, of them being pioneers, the original 12 followers of Jesus. Today, as we begin this series, it's going to sort of be an overview, sort of an intro to the idea of even what a disciple is, what a follower is, and we will look at all 12 of them very briefly, especially at the end, but the idea is collectively looking at their journey. And how it applies to our lives. Uh, and then what we'll do the, the following five weeks is we'll take a more in-depth look at seven of the 12 original disciples. So the other five guys, they will get their names mentioned briefly today. And after that, there's not really a lot that we know about them. And so the seven that we do really know the most about, we'll spend a few weeks after this one looking at their lives and looking at how they follow Jesus and what we can gain from their experience. So today we're going to begin this look of these 12 by looking at what we're going to call the life cycle of a disciple. We're going to look at what we're calling the life cycle of a disciple. And this life cycle, as we're going to look at it, has four steps that we're going to walk through today and look at a snapshot of of this experience, this journey, this life cycle of these followers and how we, we follow the same sort of cycle. So we're looking at, again, the life cycle of a disciple. Step one 
uh, is the easiest one by far. It's the simplest one, the shortest one, sort of gets everything going in motion here. The first step in the life cycle of a disciple is simply the call. They are called, or we might call it an invitation. What's interesting is that only seven of the 12 that we can read about in the Gospels uh, do we read about their initial call. Seven of the 12. And it's funny, it may not be all the ones that you think there are. Even a couple of more minor characters that we don't read a lot about, they're in some of these stories about the call uh, to become a disciple. What I want to do just briefly is look at one of these stories. Look at one of these accounts where Jesus called some of his first disciples. What did that look like? And one of them that we'll look at uh, this morning is pretty interesting. So that's why I just want to cover it briefly with you. It's going to be actually found um, in the book of Luke, chapter 5. And uh, let's just read it together, verses 1 through 10. It says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to gather some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. So this is the call of James, John, Peter, and probably Andrew, who is Peter's brother and work associate. At least these four men are called in this account. It's pretty neat. What Jesus does here is a really interesting pitch, if you will. He, he wants them to follow him, and what he does is, through this miracle, he gives them sort of a glimpse of what life could look like if they choose to follow him, if they answer the call. And as you can see here, they are so amazed by what they see, they are so amazed at what Jesus does, that they're like, yep, we're in, we will answer the call. So Jesus makes an offer here. It's really, he's really saying, hey, if you want to stay doing what you're doing, fine. But if you want to change your life forever, follow me. If you want to go on the greatest adventure of your life, follow me. That's the call of Jesus. It's an invitation to join him in what he's doing that also will change your life, that has profound impacts on the rest of your life. That's step one of this life cycle of a disciple. Step two is a little bit harder. Step two requires a little bit more thought, 
a little bit more intention. Step two in this life cycle of a disciple is to follow. Step two of this life cycle is to follow, or what we might say is a decision. Step two requires an intentional decision, or really an intentional set of decisions. And this leads me to this idea, this thought for this morning, that's basically sort of the the theme of this idea of a life cycle of a disciple. The main idea is simply this, decisions determine destiny. Decisions determine destiny. Now, this is not in and of itself a very spiritual statement. It's more a major life principle. Decisions that you make determine the course of the rest of your life, and they build upon themselves. Even think about, for instance, your career choice. That one choice, that one decision affects so many other things really for the rest of your life, one way or another. Just consider this. Let's say you make the decision with your life, okay, I am going to be a concert pianist. Well, that's just one decision, but it affects a lot of other decisions, doesn't it? Because what you've decided is this big goal here, but what that means is you've you've made a decision to practice, practice, practice. You've made a decision to devote your life to this instrument. It's going to require hours and hours a day of you honing your craft to become what you've decided you want to be. In a similar way, let's say you decide to be a brain surgeon. Well, that's just one decision, right? But it determines your destiny. At least for several years, we know it requires school, 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 study, 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 learn, 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 cram it all in there so that I can, you know, know how to do what I'm going to do. This is complicated. There's a lot of things working out here. There's people's lives, people's lives that are in the balance here. Their, their well-being, their future is at stake. So it's one decision, but it determines your destiny. How about this one? How about this one? How about if you decide, I've got my nine to five, but American Idol auditions are in town. I'm going to quit my job and try to make it big in the music industry. It's a pretty big decision. And it does, it can one way or another have huge long lasting effects. Maybe you make it big in the music industry. Maybe that pays off. Maybe you don't even make it to the judges on the show and you've cut ties, you've quit your job, you've burned bridges, you've said, I'm doing this no matter what. Decisions determine destiny. Relationships are the same way. Let's say, for instance, you put your career on hold to start a family. That's a great decision, but it determines your destiny. It changes things. Your life will look differently if you make that decision than it would if you had gone ahead in your career. That's not a bad thing, but it does determine your destiny. Relationships that you have will determine your destiny. Those decisions of who you allow in, how closely you allow them in, they determine your destiny. Some for good, sometimes some for not so good. If we allow the wrong people in, they can maybe hold us back. They can be a discouragement or a deterrent to who we thought we were going to be, who we really want to be. Sometimes, though, they can be uplifting. They can be a huge benefit to who you want to be, what you want to do with your life. Regardless of what decisions you make in life, decisions determine destiny. It's a fact of life. And for these 12 men that all have a a call, now it's not all the same call as we just read uh, in Matthew, but 
It is true that they all made a decision to follow Jesus. They all decided that, yep, we're going we're gonna to do it. Uh, we're going to abandon everything that we know. We're going to leave our homes. We're going to leave our family. We're going to leave security and our jobs and our careers to follow Jesus. Because here's what you see as we do pick it back up in, in Luke 5. I think I said Matthew, but it's Luke 5. As we read here, we read verses 1 through 10. They have a decision to make. Here's what they decide to do. Luke 5, verse 11. As soon as they landed, as soon as their boats hit the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. They made decisions that determined their destinies. They decided this guy's worth the risk. This guy is worth the, worth the unknown that I'm about to face. He's worth me giving up certain things and certain securities to follow him. They made a decision that determined their destiny. There are, however, other people who Jesus also called who made a different decision. There are other people that Jesus called and they decided to not follow him. We read about one of them. Uh, he's called the rich young ruler. Uh, he's in Luke, in the book of Luke, also another gospel. It's this story of a man who's very wealthy. He approaches Jesus and says, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he's not really asking to follow Jesus. That's not really his question, but that's Jesus, Jesus gives him an opportunity or an invitation that leads to a decision on whether or not he will follow him. Jesus says, hey, follow this commandment and follow that commandment. And the guy says, I, I've done all those. I've kept the law since my youth. What else am I lacking? Jesus says, you lack this one thing. He says, go sell all your possessions, give all the money to the poor, then come follow me. And the scripture says that the man walked away sad because he was very wealthy. Now, we don't know. Maybe he did decide at some point, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow this guy. He's intriguing. He's interesting. I'm curious. I, I want to take a risk with my life. I want, well, we don't know what he did, but we, we assume it. at least if he ever did decide this, it took him a while to get there. And even if he did, he's not one of these main 12 guys. He could have been, but he wasn't. His decision determined his destiny. And then at the end of Luke chapter 9, we read an account where Jesus calls three other potential followers. And really what happens is they offer themselves, hey, Jesus, we want to follow you. And then Jesus says, okay, let's go. Come on. What's, what's holding you back? What's waiting? And they, then here's what happens, though. They make decisions that determine their destiny because they say, well, I would follow you, but. Such, it's, such, it's so amazing that that, that three-letter word has so much power to it. I will follow you, but they say, but first let me do this. But first I've got to do that. But I need to wait a little bit longer. And Jesus is like, sorry guys, I can't wait. I'm, I'm on a mission. I'm walking. I'm moving. I can't wait around for years for you guys to figure out when it's the perfect time. Their decisions determined their destiny. They, they made a decision to not follow Jesus. So in life in general, your decisions do determine your destiny, and then spiritually, obviously, whether or not you decide to follow Jesus does determine destiny. It is a big decision. Step two of the life cycle of a disciple is to determine, to decide to follow Jesus. Then the third step of this life cycle of a disciple is that they are then sent. The third step of a uh, 
the life cycle of a disciple is that then they are sent. So we really see this in two phases for the original 12 disciples. We see they are sent originally um, in the Gospels after, while they're still with Jesus. Uh, so the first way that we would see this is maybe as what we call OJT, on-the-job training. These guys had been around Jesus for a while. They'd been with him for a while, watching his every move, maybe taking notes. You know, some, a couple of guys at least are taking notes because they wrote down what Jesus said and did. So at some point, Jesus feels like, okay, guys, it's time to release you to do some ministry of your own. And he does that. He says, and what he does is interesting, though. He doesn't just say, okay, guys, go out. As we'll read here in a few minutes, he gives them specific instructions. He gives them specific guidelines. He gives them certain power and authority spiritually to do certain things. He says, okay, I think you guys are ready for phase one. Let's, let's see what you got. And what's interesting is uh, this has some mixed results, as, as you would imagine. Uh, there's an occasion in Matthew chapter 17 where Matthew, one of these 12 guys, writes about an occasion where they kind of miss it. They kind of fail on a mission. Let's read this quick account together. Uh, Matthew 17, starting at verse number 14. Matthew writes this. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. That's Jesus and his disciples. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. What we find out later is that he is possessed by a devil, a demon. So then the man says this to Jesus. He says, so I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. So Jesus sends them out. They're doing their thing, doing some ministry. This guy brings his demon-possessed son to them, and they can't help. They are powerless to help this son, heal this son, deliver this son. So then he resorts back to the master, to the teacher, and says, Hey, Jesus, they gave it their best effort. They couldn't do it. Can you help me? What I love here is the response from Jesus. He is a little bit exasperated. He's, he kind of does, uh, you know, I thought you guys were ready. Maybe you're not. What he does here is he uses this as a teaching opportunity. He uses this opportunity to them. He could have said, you guys are losers. You're failures. I thought you were better than this. I thought I had taught you better than this. You were totally not ready, totally not prepared. He doesn't do that. He, he basically says, hey, let's, let's walk through this. Because it says after, so Jesus does heal the boy. He delivers him from this evil spirit. Afterward, they kind of have a breakout session. And the disciples say, okay, Jesus, what went wrong here? How come we couldn't do what you did? How come we couldn't do what you empowered us and commissioned us to do? And Jesus says, well, you guys just didn't have enough faith this time. It's plain and simple. So he uses this as a teaching opportunity. Jesus, I believe, can do the same thing for you and for me when we get it wrong, when we totally blow it, we totally drop the ball. I believe Jesus wants to use even our failures as learning experiences, not to beat us up or make us feel bad or make us feel guilty or make us feel less than or whatever, to rip us apart to shreds. No, he wants to use even those failures as an opportunity for learning and for growth. I believe that he, he wants us to find purpose in our pain. I believe that Jesus, who is the master, can make a master class out of our mess. 
I believe Jesus can do that and wants to do that for you. So even when you fail, even when you fall short in your life of faith and your pursuit of Jesus, he wants, to let, he wants you to use that, to leverage that, to learn. Not to feel bad or give up, but to learn and grow and keep going. That's what he did with his disciples, and that's what he wants to do for you. But then later on, uh, Jesus gives them one full and final commission. So he has the on-the-job training, sending out, uh, giving them direction. But he also then, at the end of, after he has uh, died and risen from the dead, he's about to ascend into heaven, he gives them one final commission. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 28 and in Acts chapter 1. He gives them some final directions, some final instructions. And here's what I love about Jesus. He does this for you as well, for me as well. He doesn't just say, okay, go do it and leave us wondering, leaving us hanging out to dry. No, he gives direction. He gives insight. He helps us to know what to do and how to do it. That's what, he's with his, that's what he does here with his disciples. He gives them some final instructions on what to do and how to do it. The difference is this time there is no safety net, okay? Because right after Jesus commissions them, empowers them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he ascends into heaven. He's gone. Now, if they can't cast out demons, they can't run to Jesus for help. He, there's no backup plan now. There's no safety net. But they're also not alone. Because Jesus says, the final thing he says in the, in the book of Matthew is, I'm with you always. And then in Acts chapter 1, the final thing he says before he ascends is, I'm sending you a helper, the Holy Spirit. He is, in essence, your safety net. He is your direction, right? So for, for so long, they've been following Jesus. They've known what direction to go because he goes and they follow. He goes this way and they go that way, right? So, but now that he's gone, he says, you're still going to need direction, you're still going to need direction as I send you out. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to help to continue to give you direction, purpose for your life, direction on what to do and how to do it, even though I'm not physically here with you. That's the third step of the life cycle of a disciple that they are sent, and you as a disciple are sent. And then the fourth and final step or stage of the life cycle of a disciple is they are spent. They are spent. This is what we might call dedication. So when the disciples go out, when they are sent out, they give everything for this cause, for this mission, for Jesus. They give everything. They go to every corner of the then known region and spread the good news about this person, Jesus, who changed their lives, who called them, who equipped them, who they followed, who sent them, and now they're giving everything to him. And that really, for, for most of them, was in a very literal sense. They literally gave everything for Jesus. After they give their lives in ministry, they give their lives for the gospel. So what we're going to see here on the screen for just a couple minutes is a list of all of these 12 original followers of Jesus, the original 12 disciples. Let me mention briefly kind of a roadmap for the rest of our series. So the five names on the left are the ones that probably won't get mentioned again after today. We'll mention them here briefly, but there's not a whole lot of, that we know about them. So the other seven on the, on the middle and the right-hand column, um, we're going to look at their lives in greater detail over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, the center column 
These are five, the other five that, were, that also gave their lives for Jesus. The, the two on the right there uh, did not. Let's talk about it for just a second. So um, when we talk about they were, they were spent, they gave everything, we mean that literally, okay? So Philip, he gave his life for Christ. He was crucified. Thaddeus was crucified. Bartholomew was crucified. Uh, he's also known as Nathaniel. So sometimes you'll read about Bartholomew. Sometimes you'll read about Nathaniel. He was crucified. He gave his life for Jesus. Simon was crucified. James was beheaded. Peter, probably the, the greatest known of the 12 disciples, was famously crucified upside down. They were going to crucify him for his faith, and the legend has it. He said, no, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord, and they turned him upside down. Andrew, Peter's brother, was actually crucified um, in an X. So if you look up St. Andrew's cross, uh, that's why it's an X. He was crucified sort of in the shape of an X. Uh, The other James, uh, he was beaten, stoned, and clubbed to death. Matthew was killed with a battle axe. The apostle Thomas was speared to death. Then the other two apostle, the other two disciples, original 12, uh, were the only two who did not give their lives in martyrdom for the gospel. Now, John, as we've talked about in previous, a previous series here at First Century, um, he, they actually tried to kill him. They boiled him alive in hot oil, but he did not die. So then he's exiled to an island by himself where he receives the revelation from Jesus, the final book of the Bible, Revelation. And then he dies of old age as an old man in his 90s. And then we have Judas, good old Judas, right? Uh, He actually, of course, famously hanged himself right after betraying Jesus. So 10 of these 12 literally gave everything. They gave their lives at the end. John was willing to, but Jesus wasn't quite done with him yet, so he spared his life from martyrdom to give him this revelation of himself, and then he died an old man uh, of old age. So, and then Judas, we'll talk about him in a few weeks, but you know, he's kind of the oddball. He's the black sheep, if you will. So they were willing to give it all. They spent themselves for the cause of Christ. They found it to be worth everything to them. Again, decisions determine destiny. So that's the life cycle of a disciple, but here's the thing. You and I have the same life cycle as these 12 men. Let me just make this statement. Now, when I say this, I do not want to be offensive to your faith background or to your upbringing or to these men that we're talking about, these disciples. I don't mean this, but I want you to hear me here. Uh, these men, a lot of them have the word saint in front of their name. Saint Peter, you know, Saint Thomas, Saint Andrew. They're called saints. Can I just tell you, these are ordinary men. Do you know, and here's why I don't mean to be offensive. Do you know what makes a saint a saint? What makes a saint a saint is the fact that after these people die, a church committee gets together and decides to put the letters S and T in front of their name. That's what makes these guys saints, okay? Now, I know that these committees have criteria and a list, but I'm telling you, these were ordinary men, no different than you and me. They were regular people. They had regular lives. They made mistakes. They had emotions. They didn't always get it 
right, as we'll see in the next few weeks. They got it wrong a lot. They weren't perfect. They didn't see themselves as saints. They were so insecure most of the time. They were so confused most of the time. They were flying by the seat of their pants all the time. They had no idea what they were doing, but God used them anyway. And the same is said for us. We're normal. We're frail. We're imperfect. We make mistakes. But God will use us in the same way he used these 12 men. He will empower us in the same way he empowered these 12 men. We can experience, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be experiencing this same life cycle as a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Let me show you what that looks like for our lives. We're going to work through one scripture for just a couple minutes as we begin to wrap up our time together today. This is Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. We see in these two verses that, are, that apply to our lives today this same four-step process, this same life cycle of a disciple. So let's walk through it here for just a couple minutes. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Then Jesus said to the crowd, including you and me today, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Again, we're going to see, we're going to walk through this and see all four steps of this same life cycle that we can apply to our lives today. Let's look at it here again. So Jesus says, Luke 9, 23, he said to the crowd, if any of you, that's, that's step number one, there's a call, there's an invitation from Jesus to then number two, follow him. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily. That's the decision that we've been talking about. Decisions determine destiny. Other translations will say you must deny yourself and take up your cross to follow him. Those are decisions. You have to willingly put Jesus first to follow him. That's the call to being a disciple. Jesus is first. He is most important. Okay, That's what it means to follow him. It, make, it means making certain decisions. It means making certain changes. It means that priorities shift, that wants and needs may have to shift, that your perspective has to change if you truly want to follow Jesus. Decisions must be made. You must deny yourself. You must say no to yourself and your way. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Then step three, we move on. He says, and follow me. Now we think, well, doesn't that follow him? But that's really the scent part. That's the direction part. We want to follow him. Whichever direction he goes, we want to go. Wherever he sends us, we want to be willing to go. Whatever that looks like for our lives, we want to follow his direction as he sends us out. That's step three of this life cycle of a disciple. And what's encouraging here is we have the same Holy Spirit that he promised to his original 12 disciples the same helper, the same guide, the same encourager to help us to do this thing, we are not alone. You are not alone on your journey of faith. The Holy Spirit is with you, directing you where to go, giving you guidance on where to go, whispering to you, uh, putting kind of a quickening in your spirit about what he wants you to do. He gives you the ability to live with purpose on purpose. That's the direction that Jesus promises us through the Holy Spirit. 
And then we see here again in Luke 4, the fourth step for this disciple, this life cycle is spent. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. This is the idea of being spent or dedication. Again, the call to discipleship is putting Jesus first. He is most important. His mission is most important. His wishes are most important. And so we, we determine that. We, 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 are, we say, yes, I'll be spent for the sake of the gospel. I will give up anything and everything to follow Jesus. I'm dedicated to the cause. Even if others don't understand, even if sometimes I don't understand myself, I'm going to push past the fear. I'm going to push past the weird looks or the weird comments or the weird feelings because I'm dedicated to following Jesus. I'm dedicated to being a disciple of Jesus. And so for all of us, Jesus extends this invitation. He makes this call. Will you follow me? Will you put me first? Will you go on this adventure with me is what he's saying. Like he said to the disciples on the boat, go on this adventure with me. Take a risk, you know, be a trailblazer, be a pioneer, be someone who will do something that others may not do, that others may not take a chance and a risk on. Do that. Go on an adventure with Jesus. What will we decide? Will we decide to follow Jesus or will we decide like some of the others we talked about, say, I'm going to pass. What will we decide? And here's the encouraging thing. Jesus will send you where you need to go. As he's not going to leave you hanging out to dry. He will give you instructions. The Holy Spirit will empower you and embolden you and, and position you to live on purpose with purpose so you can be dedicated to the cause of Christ. You can be dedicated to seeing this thing through, to live this life of faith faithfully and fully, to not give up, to not turn back, to not quit in the middle, but to see this plan through, to see his mission for your life through, that we are called and that we are sent to be spent forever and forever for all of our days to give our life, our everything to him. The adventure is worth it. The challenges are worth it. The risk is worth it because the reward is worth it to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, you have made the call to all of us here today. You want to call each and every one of us watching and listening today to follow you. The call is simple, follow me. That leads to a decision. What will we do with that, with that call? How will we respond? Decisions must be made, choices must be made, and decisions determine destiny. And it's my prayer that all of us that are watching and listening today, that we make that decision to be sent that we say, yes, I want to follow you. I want to go the direction that you're going. I want to go the direction that you have for my life. I want to be sent by you. I want to be sent on a mission to live on purpose with a purpose. And again, it's my prayer that those of us watching and listening today will be sent until we're spent. I'm in it for the long haul, Jesus. I'm in it forever. I'm not going to quit when things get hard. I'm not going to give up when things get too difficult. I'm not going to give in to pressure, to back off, to not be as dedicated, but I'm going to remain dedicated all the days of my life. I'm going to remain dedicated and be spent for you, no matter what it means, no matter what it costs, no matter what it looks like, no matter how I feel along the journey, 
I want to be dedicated to this call. I want to keep making decisions daily to continue to be sent out and spent for your glory and for your honor to further your mission that others can come to know you and follow you and be on this adventure with you as well. I pray that you would encourage us and empower us to make those key decisions that will affect our destiny. And I know that we won't regret it. Not a one of us will. When we think about quitting, but as we, as, we give, as we don't give in to those impulses and that pressure and that weightiness, as we, as we are spent for you, we will never regret going on this adventure with you. Again, the risk is worth it, and the reward is certainly worth it. And I thank you that you've called us and you will equip us as we go out for your glory and your honor with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thanks for joining us this weekend for First Century Church Online. Hope you can join us next weekend as we continue this series 12 and learn more about what it means to truly follow Jesus. Have a great weekend and a great week. We'll see you next time. God bless you.